Welcome to Of One Heart, the podcast where we learn the life stories of members of the Anacortes Ward family. The mission of this podcast is to help us as Anacortes Ward family members to come to know each other and to connect with each other in richer and more meaningful ways. During the podcast, the hosts will ask questions that allow the individual being interviewed an opportunity to tell their life story. As we come to know each other and as we are willing to be known, our connections to one another will deepen and our shared quest to become of one heart and one mind will be encouraged. These interviews can also be used as a basis to start a life story to be shared with your own posterity. Uh, I am joined uh, by Avi Turanga. Say hi, Avi. Hi. And my co-host, Christine. Hello. And I am Brian Murray. Uh, we're going to start today. Um, first of all, we're going to ask Avi just to give us his full name because it's so nice to hear. <laughs> so go ahead, Avi. So the full name is Isikeli Avinesh Turanga. So... The first is Fijian, the middle name is Indian origin, and then the last name is Fijian. So, okay. Yeah. Two. It's beautiful when you will. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and it's Turanga. Is that right? It, it's kind of, it's like Turanga. Okay. It's kind of like nasal, like oh. NG Turanga. <laughs> and, and, and kind of a soft G though, it yeah. sounds like Turanga. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There you go. I'm you got it. it. Yeah, you got <laughs> it. <laughs> okay. So to start with, we're going to, we um, are asking uh, the people on the podcast uh, to answer these questions about Anacortes. So we're going to give you a choice of what your preference is. And you tell us what your preference is. So Safeway or the market? Safeway. Walgreens or Rite Aid? Walgreens. Sibos or Ace? Ace. Pizza Factory or Village Pizza? Pizza Factory. <laughs> Donut House or the Grocery Muffins? Donut House. Okay. Do you, do you, <laughs> have, you want to ask two questions? Uh, the View, Cap Sane or Mount Erie? Hmm. That's a hard one. I love them both. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Because different perspectives, right? That's right. Yeah. So hard to decide. That's what that's what I like. I like Capsani uh, because of the marina and it, and the backdrop is the whole town. Mm-hmm. And then on Mount Erie, you just can't see for so many miles. It's mm-hmm. just like I love that. So it's beautiful everywhere here. Yeah. All right. Well, it thanks for offer, uh, answering our survey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's start, Avi. Um, mm-hmm. We'll just let you start talking. Uh, tell us where you were born and where you where you were raised, and a little bit about your family and growing up. Mm-hmm. So I was born and raised in Fiji. So specifically on an island called Taveuni, and this is the third largest island in the Fiji group, which consists of around 320 islands and most of them are not inhabited but Taviuni is famous for its uh, world-class diving and uh, like scuba diving scuba diving yes and uh, Taviuni also has one of the rare flowers on it which is only not it only grows on that island nowhere in the world really it's on a lake up in the mountains. So, what's the name of that flower? It's called Tangimodia. Wow. Yeah. 
It's red and white. It's pretty unique. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's a whole big story around that. Well, uh, to keep it short, some uh, um, a uh, princess, a Fijian princess, got uh, fell in love with a commoner boy, and then their 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 union was not blessed, so they ran away. And he was hunted down over there on that lake where, where you know, the, put an end to that relationship. But she cried tears and from there that flower came about, which oh. is called Tangimodia. That's Tangi means crying, tears Great. of sorrow. Oh, so, that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So that's the island I grew up on. And uh, yeah, so... How many siblings? So I have four sisters, all are older than me, and um, um, they were my shield because I was the youngest <laughs> growing up. Everything had to go through them. And I was the baby, so you know, I didn't. I didn't actually face any, you know, like even like kids who would try to fight me. My sisters were up there, the shield. So <laughs> nobody, they had to go through my sisters before they come to me. So they were my shield. Um, four sisters loved growing up with those with those girls, and they, you know, um, had a had a great time with them growing up. So mm-hmm. my dad, um, my, my dad is native Fijian. So um, um, hence the name, the last name, and the first name. My mom is. Um, has her roots in India. So there's another story to that also because um, back when um, when slavery ended in the United States, the British still needed people to work on their, on their farms, mm. their initiatives out in the islands. So they took laborers from India to go work on the coconut farms in, uh, in Fiji. And that's where my mom's people came from. Which has also another geneal- genealogical history because I have a I have a point in time where I cannot go beyond. Meaning, my great grandfather who came over from India, um, from the story he tells, he told, he was playing with his brother and a friend near lake where their village was. And what happened was. Um, people came and grabbed them. But before that, his something happened to his brother and he was crying. So he told him, go home. And he stayed with his friend. So after the brother had left, people grabbed them, put them on the ship. And they were, they were young boys. They hmm. were like maybe 10, 11. Put them on the ship and shipped them to Fiji. So, wow. so that's where my genealogy efforts end because I don't really know where he was from. He didn't know really where he was from. All he remembers is a lake, a river, and the village. Yeah, so he had no more contact with his no. family. No. Wow, that's kind yeah. of sad. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. So that was your great-grandfather, you said? That was or? my great-grandfather, yeah. Great-grandfather, yeah. And of course, my dad's side are all Fijians, native Fijians, so... Um, and uh, in those... in. It is still rare for a Fijian boy to marry outside of the Fijian oh, race, really? right? So he was he was not the norm. He was 
when he married your mother, that was yeah. a little whoo. Yeah. So, you know, that was, it's, it was very rare. So we were kind of unique in that yes. aspect. Uh, there was also stories to that where you were caught between two worlds, right? Mm-hmm. Indian or Fijian. So, Were most of the Indian people who lived in Fiji, were they... Um, have that same story. They they were laborers that were brought over, or were th- yes. was it? Most of them were laborers brought over, but then after they had settled, and when indenture the indenture period ended, the British um, ended that 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 indenture system. More merchants came over from India, okay, to start their shops. So that's how Indians came about. Okay. Are they considered second-class citizens in Fiji? Do they look down on the Indians, or by now is it pretty equal? It's it's pretty equal, but uh, there are certain there are certain uh, things that are separate, right? Culturally, right? They have totally different cultural aspects to life, to religion. Fijians are predominantly Christians, and uh, Indians are mostly Hindus, right? But there's a lot of Muslims that came over too. So Indians, Hindus, and Muslims were the, the predominant groups that came over. So. Yeah. so what rough percentage of the population is Fijian versus Indian and other? So I would say Fijian is now at around, uh, hovering around 50 to 60%. Really? Yeah. And the rest is Indian and other, like, Chinese, uh-huh. Japanese, sprinkled in there. So. so it's really decreased over the last past 50 years or so then? Is that the time the, frame? The, so before, well, the population of Fijians, it kind of flipped in the few, in the past like 30 years. At a time, there was more Indians than Fijians. Oh. Yeah. And that's, Another story of why the Fijians felt threatened and Fiji fell into this coup culture, right? Mm. There were like three three coups in Fiji or four oh. because of being threatened by, you know, another culture taking over. Mm-hmm. But what happened was after the coups, uh, there was a lot, basically an exodus of Indians out of Fiji. Oh. And they go to Australia, New Zealand, US, Canada, right? And uh, so... That flipped the population where they're now like around, hovering around forty. So, did the? I'm sorry. Wait, I know, but we gotta so, get back know, to history. Let me ask this question. <laughs> um, yeah. Was the, the 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 cause of the decrease in the Fijian percentage? Was that mainly because of the influx of foreigners, or because Fijians left? The the the, the decrease in population. Well, the well, de- the percentage. The percentage. Yeah, okay. you only have thirty percent of Fijians for a while. Right. Is that because there was so much influx of foreigners who came in, or did Fijians were they leaving for some reason? Well, no, Fijians stayed. Like okay. Fijians, uh, that was their population around that time, like just around that percentage. But what happened was the Indians started to expand. Right. Mm-hmm. So no, they came in in two ships and. After like so many years, they just exploded. Wow. So, okay, you know. let's get back to your yeah. island. <laughs> so, growing up, uh, uh-huh. what, what was your family like? You had four sisters. And- yes. Four sisters, uh, mom and dad. Um, and uh, our home is 
uh, if you if you step into a home you can be um, you will you'll have to be able to understand three languages so english hindi and fijian so at any point in time someone will be conversing to you in hindi hmm. or english and they'll flip to fijian Oh. And the next sentence is Hindi again. So our house is like that. Wow. Yeah. So you're you can speak all three then. Yes. And like to us it was nothing but to be, like we understand later the people coming in it's like this is something different. <laughs> right? But yeah. yeah. It was quite normal to us. So yeah. So all your so, sisters spoke Hindi, spoke Hindi, spoke Fijian and, and your uh your other cousins and or your Yes, your nieces and nephews—they mm-hmm. all speak those three, also. Most of them. Most of them. Yes. Yeah. Most, I would say, probably ninety-nine percent. Hmm. Right. So Lydia yeah. speaks those then. Lydia, yeah. Yeah. Lydia I didn't know that. So. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, and um, what was I going to say? My dad also is fluent in Hindi, mm-hmm. which is also rare in Fiji because he's a Fijian native boy. Yeah, so he had to learn it from yes, his spouse. Yeah, okay. no, his spouse, and also he spent a lot of time around my mom's family, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so that's how he just picked it up. And, okay. So, and my mom is also fluent in the Fijian dialect. So yeah. that's why our life was pretty easy, I think. It's like languages flying around. Yeah. So are you teaching your boys? They could be bilingual. I Come try. on. I try, but it is hard because I'm the only one. Yes. Right? What's wrong yes, with Marcy? <laughs> 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 yeah. Well, she's a mathematician, so oh, okay. you know, black and white. She's teaching the math. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So what was growing up like there? What's a typical day for a young Avi uh, growing up when you're 10 years old there on Fiji? From 10, uh, 10 years old, well, I would wake up in the morning. So our family, we had our farm, right? So a typical 10-year-old me would wake up in the morning. So we had around 40 goats. Mm. So my job was every morning wake up, take those goats out to pasture, mm. right? And then after that, we plant taro and bananas and cassava, which are crops. What's cassava? Cassava is like... People of manioca. It's, it's a root crop. Okay. It's like taro. Okay. So right. taro is the same one they have in Hawaii then? The same taro? Yeah. Okay. Same. Yeah. They make poi from that, right? Yep. What do they call poi in Fiji? We don't do poi. <laughs> <laughs> Smart. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. First time I tasted it, I was like... What is oh, this? Yeah, why, why, <laughs> so why are you eating it? This farm was your family's livelihood. Yes. It wasn't just to feed yeah. the family. It was our livelihood. We also plant kava, which is the a drink, right? So it's used in medicines, but it is it is a tree that you grow and you can have in three or four years. And we export that we, you know, and it's brings a, a good price. So a typical me would wake up in the morning, tend to the goats, tend to the, if there was anything needed to be done at the farm, would do that. Then uh, we, um, so at 10 years old, I don't think we had like indoor plumbing or anything. Yeah. It was like we had a, you know, a river where everything, we could fetch water from the river 
you know, and, you know, you bathe there, everything. Mm-hmm. So a typical, I mean, 10-year-old me would finish all my chores, jump in the river, get, you know, get cleaned up, get into my uniform, and then walk around four miles to school. Wow. Yeah. School so, uniforms, though. In school uniform. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my typical morning routine. And the language in school would be Fijian or English? English. English. Yeah. Very strict on people knowing English in Fiji. You have to know it. You have to speak it in school. No other languages are allowed. Of course, that doesn't mean you can't <laughs> stop talking <laughs> in Fijian, but mm-hmm. yeah, it was very frowned upon because they wanted people to be good at English. When you were at that age, was Fiji independent of Great Britain or? It was. It was independent. By yeah. Then. Yeah. Um, and it, it's it's uh, recent. It's not like I would say 30 to 40 years, something like that. I think it's 19, the year I was born, 1979. Okay. When became Fiji became independent. So. And what did you use the goats for? Was that just goat milk and goat cheese, or what? What happened to the goats? We, you know, I I wish we knew about goat cheese and goat milk. <laughs> you know, but then a lot of people didn't really consume that. Also, there, mm. it was mo- mostly for meat. Okay. Oh. Yeah. So anytime we would have a, a visitor come, a guest, my dad would tell me, "Hey." Go and process a goat for. <laughs> so when he would say go process a goat, what did that you mean? What did you have to kill the goat? So you like yeah. slit their throats uh-huh. and. And how old were you when you doing this type of stuff? Same about ten years old. Yeah, ten, okay. twelve, thirteen. That's, wow, that's when it starts. It starts with a chicken. So uh, okay, you know, you start small. Little, yeah, you start small and then you progress. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you would you would kill it and then you would skin it and skin it and that'd be your job. Cut, cut the mm-hmm. meat up. Wow, mm-hmm. butcher it for yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, you know the kids these days don't even know where meat comes from, let alone be able yeah. to procure their own. Yeah, I, I tell my story to my kids and they. They don't understand how, you know, can't process it because they've mm. never seen it, right? Yeah. They never, like their life is so, life is so easy. Mm. I'll keep telling them, your life is so easy. But they're always <laughs> like, oh, our life is so hard. You make us pick up our clothes. <laughs> this is slavery. It's like, okay. <laughs> Let me take you to my village and you'll find out <laughs> what hard work is. <laughs> have, have your kids been to Fiji then? They have, yeah. And what, what's yeah. their impression when they go there? Well, they, they don't go. So I keep, keep them away from all the hard stuff. You know? Okay. I want them to enjoy like the touristy side of it first before we go to like visiting the families and okay. kind of like, okay. Uh, <laughs> no. they, have, they haven't killed the goats yet then. No, they haven't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we don't have any more goats. So <laughs> so not that experience for them. Though we went, the last time we went for Christmas was what, three, pre-COVID, three years ago. And then my, uh, my sister arranged a, a pig for Christmas, right? <laughs> and then here comes my my nephew, two of my nephews, with a slaughtered pig, with his head hanging down, you know. <laughs> and Marcy's like, "What is going on?" <laughs> like, well, you're Sounds gonna eat sad. that. For, <laughs> you're gonna eat that for Christmas. <laughs> so oh, interesting. <laughs> but yeah, Marcy loves loves going out there, and it's it's. I have a lot of nieces and nephews, and the kids just gel and. You know, fun. They have a lot of fun. So, 
So at that point in your life, was your uh, family uh, religious? Did they go to church or what, what was what was that like? So, yeah, it's um, so religion was never a question for us because Fiji is like my dad said, all Christian. So even if you don't go to church, you're still Christian. Mm-hmm. And um, so I grew up, you know, from my dad's side, going to church, um, he would always encourage us to go to church. My mom's side, she was at, at first she was Hindu. Um, and I remember going to the, the Indian temples for the ceremonies. And I usually, I just went most of the time because after each ceremony, they would have these Indian sweets. Uh-huh. Right? So after the prayers were done, I would just go for the sweets. <laughs> that was the, that was the, you know, the motivation. Yeah. But yeah, religion was never a problem, I would say. Like mm-hmm. you had religion there. You know, it was always something you did. It was like built into the community. Mm-hmm. Like every Sunday. Well, here's the other thing. Every Sunday, when I was growing up, Fiji was shut down. Yeah. It was at that period where like there were no shops open, nothing ran on the roads, right? Everyone is at home, doing church, being with their families the whole Sunday. Mm-hmm. And that flipped like around maybe I was around 10 years old mm-hmm. when... This, the government started allowing shops to open up and all that. So, but yeah, I grew up around that time where, and in, in the morning you wake, you wake up, you ten o'clock you go to church, and I was a Methodist. I grew up a Methodist, mm-hmm. so go to church, and then uh, after that you just spend time with family. And usually Sundays is where we have a big um, lovo. Um, Lua, right? Mm-hmm. So it's every Sunday thing. Like that was another one of my chores is like Sundays you make lua. <laughs> Wake up in the morning, make lua for the family. You know. Tell so. us the story that you told in sacred meeting a few weeks ago with your father on Sundays. Oh yes, yeah. my dad. Yeah. <laughs> so the story is um, what were we talking about? We were talking about um, taking care of one another. Yeah. yeah, service and taking care of one another, and that's how I grew up in in the village. Uh, my dad was big on looking after other people. And that's one of the great things he taught me. And uh, <clears throat> so what would happen was before, not usually it was around the big holidays, but it was not only that. It was whenever we, we were out on Saturdays, we would go out spearfishing on the reef. And my dad and I, whoever came along, we try to catch as much fish as we could. Then when we go home, he would separate it out, and now everyone gets a share, so that their Sundays they have something to for meals. You know, everyone. You mean the neighbors? He had the neighbors. You yeah. and your brothers and My sisters neighbors. go take the fish yeah. to the people in the village. Yeah. Oh, that's yep. so beautiful. Everyone so. So was this free diving, Spiritish? Yeah. And so free diving. Just for my information, how yeah. long could you stay under free diving? At that time? Yeah. Oh, through two, three minutes. Okay. Wow. Was yeah. that the height of your free that diving? That was the height. Now I can say maybe 10 seconds. <laughs> 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 or maybe I can't even go down now. So, <laughs> Did your father like teach you techniques for free diving or did you just kind no, of learn just, it? Just, you, you just, everyone does it. Yeah. So just you your, just watch and learn. Just your DNA. Throw yeah. you in the water. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. You know, like... 
anytime you need something to eat, you know, if it's not in the forest or the farm, you go to the ocean. <laughs> so, and is it still that way? I mean, is, is there enough fish now for people to still to do that type mm-hmm. of thing? Mm-hmm. They have not overfished it. Then. No, no, okay. it's not like Hawaii. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they still have a lot of fish. Yeah. Okay. So during that time period, you know, when you were a young man, mm-hmm. um, do you remember any kind of religious experience? Any kind of? Did you feel like you were having a relationship with God? Uh, anything that you remember during that time? I was. I used to. Not used to. I loved reading the scriptures, meaning the mm-hmm. the Old Testament, the New Testament at the time. Can't remember. It, no, it was it was in the King James version, but some version of the translated works. So I used to read that all the time. So I was big into the stories of Samuel and the Israelites, Exodus. I would read that all the time. And then the New Testament. So, um, but I came, it became, I became a little disillusioned because of what I saw happening in church with uh, usually they would send pastors or reverend from the main island the methodist church would send them over and then you would have questions and you know there's no answer right um but then also some of the things that they were doing which was not jiving with what was being taught right so around that time i had a like maybe around 14 15 where i was like yeah this is kind of becoming disillusioned around this is not what 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 I see is not what is being taught, right? So they, they weren't walking the walk. They were not walking. They were the just walk. talking yeah. the talk. Yeah. So the big the the biggest um, the the biggest problem I had was once when <clears throat> I had a cousin come live with us, and he we were very good friends with the reverend, right? And then I mean we listened to him, respect him, all that, right? But he became really close with my cousin, and one time I find my cousin look uh, under the bed, looking, you know, looking at something. So I find him looking at uh, porn. So I'm like, "Hey, where'd you get this from?" You know, and he told me that the Reverend had given it to him. Huh. So I was like, "That was one of the big problems with me." It's like, "You're not who you say you are. Huh. You're not." walking the walk yeah so had a so yeah and uh but apart from that religion was part of my life growing up um did your mom keep going to the hindu church she she stopped uh and she converted uh she didn't convert she always went to church but she was because of her indian upbringing where you know if she didn't go to the temple she would be kind of looked at as being not being following her culture, mm-hmm. uh, pressure from family. So that's why usually she went. But she was always going to church with us. She never had have any problem. And then, you know, later she totally uh, went away from Hinduism and went to the Methodist church. And then now she's a member of our church. So, mm-hmm. so tell us when that happened, that you who found the gospel first in your family? So... When that period where I was kind of getting disillusioned, I was also butting head with my dad. 
because of things that you know a teenage boy growing yeah, up it happens boy growing <laughs> up, you know and i had um uh, so i told my mom and my mom is my rock so everything i've ever done i've told mom <laughs> so I'm, i'm telling my mom i can't i can't live on this island because i won't be able to progress if i live here i'm going to leave school and i don't know what i'm going to do sounds like moana yeah <laughs> moana male version <laughs> so so my mom said okay you know so and then i left the island where i was on and i moved to another island how old are you at this point At this point, I'm around 15. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So did you go live with friends or were you just going cold? Not At first, I had an aunt there Okay. Uh, who I lived with. But uh, there was big stories out there too. But then I went and lived with another family who were not even related to me. I had to leave my aunt's house mm-hmm. um, because, you know, things were not just not working out. And then one night I had to go sleep at a stadium. Oh. <laughs> I was homeless for a few nights. And then one of my friends grabbed me to go sleep at his house. And then I found that family and I lived with them through all through most of my high school. Oh. Who were not related to me. No blood relation, nothing. But they just took me in. Oh. You know. So, <clears throat> so yeah. So I, I, I moved over to go to this other school. And that's where I, um, my sister moved over there with her husband, who was a return missionary. Oh. Yeah. So my ma- my sister, Sue, she married a return missionary. But she was not a member at the time. She was not a member. Okay. And so she they moved in with me to live with me for a little bit, period of time. And then the missionaries started coming to visit us. And they would go and teach my sister Sue the lessons. And I would pop in, be like, oh, hey, how's it going? Disappear. Because at that time, my love was sports. I would be volleyball, soccer, rugby. That was all my life and school. That was it. And so they would teach. They would teach um, my sister. And, uh, and then they started asking after me. Right, so, <laughs> but I was, um, yeah. So slowly, um, the guy who who uh, who baptized me, Elder Hedrick, he lives in Bellingham. Oh, really? Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but Hedrick became really good friends with me, and I, you know, and I during our discussions, I wasn't formally invited to discuss, but I, I started them. I started asking them questions. Remember when I talked about when I was in the Methodist church? Mm-hmm. I used to have questions about why this is whatever. So what were some of those questions? Um, you know, it's one of the thing is like the Father, the the Spirit, and the, and the Holy Ghost. Right? It's big in the West, uh, in the Methodist church. They are, it is confusing because you read in scripture, it's, it's kind of logical. There's someone in, saying something from heaven and there's a person getting baptized <laughs> and there's a spirit coming down in the form of a dove and then what was taught to me was like this is this one person right yeah so how can that be mm-hmm. 
you know? Yeah, the Trinity question. Yeah, the Trinity question was one of those. <clears throat> and then the other one was baptism, right? So it's like, um, we would, I was baptized when I was much older, but they would baptize babies. But then I would ask, why does a baby have to be baptized? Uh, it's just born. Hasn't done anything wrong, mm-hmm. you know? So a lot of this kind of question. Mm-hmm. So those were the questions I started asking the missionaries. And then they would explain to me and show me scriptures. Well, okay, this makes sense, you know? And that's how I was dragged into dragged into the missionary discussions. <laughs> yeah, and uh, they would, you know, before I even joined the church, um, they would take me around missionary discussions. Oh. Yeah, I would go <laughs> with the elders to missionary discussions. And then I went to church, started going to church, and they called me to be the seminary president. I'm like, I don't know what a seminary is. <laughs> <you know? laughs> so no pressure. No? So, but then I, that's where I joined the church. That's so you were about seventeen, or I was around seventeen. Seventeen, yeah. Did your sister join too? She she joined first, oh, okay. and after that I joined, and then yeah. Were the missionaries mostly Americans, or are they natives, or that, that were there serving was, there? There was uh, a few sets of them. Um, there were a few Americans. Uh, I remember Hedrick the most because he is the guy who did the most work of. Um, you know, sharing the gospel with me. And uh-huh. then there was Elder Paul, who's native Fijian. Uh-huh. I mean, Indian, Fijian. So those were the two that I remember the most. Is your sister's husband American or is he Fijian? He's Fijian. So, yeah. And, and he, have you had contact with this Elder Hedrick then? Since I have. Back? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've yet to go um, have a meal or whatever, meet up with them, but... You know where we are. Yeah, <laughs> it's just busy schedule. So hopefully one day we can. Uh, that's, that's fun. Neat. That's fun. Yeah, yeah. In fact, Lydia, Lydia had a friend who came over who was Hedrick's wife's nephew. Oh, she brought him home, and he was like, "Oh yeah," and we found out he was like the nephew. It was like small world. <laughs> wow. So he took pictures to take back. <laughs> small <laughs> world. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so in high school, uh, you said volleyball, soccer, and rugby. Mm-hmm. Which of those did you enjoy the most? I I was into all of those. I also track and track. Yeah. What did you do in track? So I was like a specialist, four hundred meter, four by four hundred meter runner. Okay. So um, that was my that was my jam. <laughs> <laughs> so no no, um, they were all equal in your eyes. You could yeah. play any of them. Yeah. So I would come home. Um, I would play in school and then I would come home, do my homework, and then I would do something. I would go out running for four, uh, practice for four by 400 meter running, or I would go and play rugby and then I would go play soccer. Sometimes all of it at within a time span of like two hours. <laughs> hmm. so. uh, are, are, are those sports in different seasons then? Um, the, the rugby, there's no rugby on Sundays in Fiji. It's all soccer. Okay. So I would play, Saturday would be rugby day, Sunday would be uh, soccer day. Okay. And then um, usually ran in school for the for the athletics. And so that would be whenever they had like school meets and uh-huh. regional or whatever. So and did you play volleyball in school or just like on the beach? Just on, just for fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they probably didn't have a boys volleyball team, no, I would imagine, no. at that point. 
Yeah. All right. So you're 17. You joined the church. You finished mm-hmm. high school there. Mm-hmm. What's next? Well, uh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Oh, what yeah. happened to you and your dad? Did well, you reconcile a little bit? We did. Um, <clears throat> so what happened was, um, Hedrick, because I, I made the commitment to be baptized, I had to, uh, in the Phrygian protocol, you have to go ask your dad. Yeah. Right? And I was scared. <laughs> My mom knew about it. She was like, okay, good. But I was not sure. I didn't want to go face my dad. So I, Jeffrey actually asked his mission president if he would take me from this island where we, he was, the mission was to a totally different mission to go ask my dad for, mission, for permission. Mm. I went all the way there, never talked to my dad, came back again. And you didn't talk to your dad? Yeah, I met him, but I never asked him. <laughs> so and when i came back i talked i talked to my mom she was like yeah just go ahead i've talked to your dad about it yeah um so and then um did that relationship improve with, with time though well and then after i joined the church a few like before i went on a mission is when my mom and dad separated okay oh. yeah so it was not a shock for us because uh, we could see, you know, it coming um, for a long time. My dad would always talk about it, right? Mm. But when he came, we were like, okay, fine. You're adults. You make your own decisions and, you know. But it, it did affect me in a way because it's hard, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we knew it was coming. Um so they went their separate ways, and uh, where was I? Going on a mission. Yeah, and then after that, went on a mission. Um, went to the church school in Fiji. I so the the high school where, uh, that I joined when I the island I'm from is Tavuni. I went to Vonmalevu to another high school, and then from there I joined the church, and they said, "Well, let's move to another island." where you can just go finish your high school. And so that was the church college. Okay, that's what I was thinking. Is there yeah. another place to go? Yeah, there's another island. So I went there, finished my high school, went on a mission. and uh, Again, just living with people, strangers? Or? At that time, my sister was there already, with oh. the, the one who married the return missionary. Okay. And they, they live, they're from there. He's from there, oh, okay. from the big city. Um, and so I lived with them. When I was in high school, okay. so I went on a mission. Uh, after the mission came, was back. that a hard decision to go on a mission, or what, what? No, it wasn't hard. It was, it was something that I always wanted. Uh, well, before, like, I mean, I think the fire was lit when I was going out with the missionaries, okay, teaching people, visiting, and all that. I was like, I want to, I want to do this. One yeah. day. So and where it wasn't you, hard. Where did you serve then? I served in Fiji. Okay. So that was another big blessing because I, I, I got to see, I got to serve my people. Right, get got to see, um, you know, a different side of teaching people the gospel, especially my my people in Fiji, and see the difficulties in the life they face and all that. You know, it helped me a lot to to you know to to connect. Mm-hmm. You were also pretty new in the gospel, so mm-hmm. was there a lot of learning as you went along, just well, understanding more about the gospel. The um, so the Old Testament, New Testament side of things was solid. Them. I know, 
the the Book of Mormon. Um, uh, perhaps perhaps the the biggest was the Doctrine and Covenants mm. and the Pearl of Great Price. Those were where my knowledge gaps were. Mm. <laughs> so yeah. you know, but just reading and all that so. even just um, culturally primary young men's young women's seminary mm-hmm. is that all it's totally different in fiji oh yeah so seminary there's hardly any early morning seminary um from where i was in the second island where i went when i joined the church where i joined the church they did not have any early morning se- seminary because oh. everyone was so spread out so we would have right. seminary on Saturday. Oh. Or, so we would meet at around 8 o'clock and we would leave around 1 o'clock. Oh. Yeah. So that <laughs> was seminary. seminary on Saturday. Of seminary on Saturday. So yeah. that's oh, what wow. we did. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so Fiji was one mission at that point then? Yes. Fiji at that point was one <clears throat> mission, but they also covered the Kiribati. Uh-huh. Tuvalu um, at that time the Solomon Islands so there was a huge mission and did you serve out on those other I islands you were all, yeah. always in Fiji Absolutely. and you were uh, able to speak Fijian mm-hmm. and Hindi so mm-hmm. you were like the star yes. rock star of the mission rock star yeah. was the temple in Fiji at the time <laughs> at the point able? the temple was dedicated on in I was on a mission I was okay. almost done oh so had you gone somewhere to go to the temple before I went to mission? New Zealand MTC oh yeah so went there for about a month, uh-huh. got my endowments and everything done in New Zealand, Hamilton Temple, and then that's that was my first temple. Mm. <laughs> that's beautiful. But it was a neat experience having the temple built in Fiji, because um, I don't know if you guys know the story. Like President Hinckley blessed that temple with uh, only probably twenty people, because what happened was at that time there was a coup going on. Oh. Yeah. So, yeah, they couldn't, they built the temple up and then the coup happened. So they couldn't, all the the usual ceremonial stuff couldn't be done. Mm-hmm. So President Hinckley came in with uh, just a few people and blessed that. But we were so happy at the time, which is another story because the coup was when I was in, on a mission. And, um, you know, we uh, the coup... The Fiji, the big big island is called Vitilevu. And it's, if you can picture it, on the, the east side and the west. So the coup happened on the east side. That's where the big city is, the military and everything. And I was on the west. So um, out in the west, nobody cares. Right? It's like, <laughs> so yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a coup going on in, in the city, in Suva, you know. And so the impact was... All our missionaries from that side of the mission had to be brought over to mm. West. So, about a month, I was in one apartment with fifteen other missionaries, <laughs> and we were forbidden to proselyte. Oh. We were, yeah, we couldn't proselyte. We couldn't. We could visit members, and so for like COVID. Yeah. <laughs> no, so, fifteen in one little apartment. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of fun. Probably went out and played rugby. So where we were, there was a park, had a rugby field, and it had a volleyball court. There you go. <laughs> so in the morning, we would wake up, we would go out, play rugby, come back, have breakfast, go out, play rugby or soccer again, come back, you know, 
after that volleyball so our whole day was that and then we go out visit members <laughs> huh. so for one month we did that yes that does sound fun that's, yeah. that's your, your kind <laughs> of lifestyle <laughs> so <laughs> so that's what we did it was a lot of fun but you know yeah served the mission uh, it was a great Wonderful. blessing yeah mm-hmm. did any of your other family members join the church your mother or other yes. sisters mm-hmm. so my sister sue uh, my mom uh, and another sister, Anna. Anna and her family, they're all members. Mm-hmm. Sue and her family, all members, and my mom. And then uh, my dad also joined the church before okay. he passed away. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So. When did he pass away? Um, I was in my 2012. I was in my last semester at BYU Hawaii. Okay. Um, so, yeah, he he passed away then, I, and I couldn't go to the his um, his funeral. Mm-hmm. So that, uh, yeah. Did you see him very much so after your parents separated? Or? Yes. So um, after I came back from the mission, I joined. My my desire was always to get um, educated, get an education because. You know, because of President Hinckley. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> President Hinckley was big on education because mm-hmm. he, he said, if you want to improve your standard of living, if you want to, you know, improve from being poor, you know, and uh, so you got to get an education and he started the PEF fund. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I always wanted to better myself, to not be poor, you know, and so I was like, my way out is an education. So after... Um, after mission, I applied to BYU Hawaii. I got in, but you know, I just didn't have the finances to support because I didn't have the finances from my dad's side or mom's side, and I didn't have any money. So, you know, that was kind of that was it. So I was like, all right, well, you know, um, that that desire was still in me, um, but I knew I had to make some money so I could apply again, right? So I went and I joined the uh, the apprenticeship group for uh, for the government of Fiji, their fleet of uh, ships, to become a ship's electrician. So I did that for a while, four years, um, sailing around Fiji, which was another blessing, because I got to see Fiji. Mm-hmm. You know, all those islands, all those 300 islands I got to see. You know, an experience which is so amazing. So, what kind of ship were you on then? So, well, the the government of Fiji brought bought a old uh, Japanese fishing mothership, which they had kind of out of commission. <laughs> so they brought the, they bought them. Mm-hmm. That was our ship. Um, <laughs> if you can imagine our ferries in Anacortesia, maybe uh, three quarters the size of that. Okay. Mm-hmm. What was the purpose of the ship, though? What were you? What was so the what mission? we would do is take government officials out okay. whenever they needed to go out to outreach to the outer islands. Okay. All these ministers, we would take them out, and then whenever there was an emergency, emergency out in the islands, we would run, and you know, go, uh, whatever. Okay. And then a lot of times we would haul passengers, but very rarely, uh, except for really remote places where none of the shipping companies would want to go so we went and you were an electrician you said mm-hmm. you helped keep all the systems running yeah then? yeah apprentice apprenticeship on the on that ship um so four hour watch 
four hour oh. on, eight hour off while we're on trips. Mm-hmm. So, um, some cool experience from there too. When I mean, when you're an electrician engineer, you're in the bottom of the ship. You know, you don't. That's where the where it's the calmest. Mm. You know, and at one time, uh, I come up to do my checks, right? checking all the electrical systems and all everything, and I. F- I come out and then I see that we're in in the middle of a storm. <laughs> and these waves know. pounding, pounding <laughs> the ship, <laughs> and everyone is gone. And you know, I I go up to the the captain and you just see this big, huge, you know, rose coming over the ship and hitting and washing into the deck. So that was a cool experience. <laughs> so you know, you just. When when shipping working in that industry taught me patience, because I was always wanted to go hundred miles per hour, mm-hmm. and then you know my that experience during those period of time taught me how to be patient, mm-hmm. because you realize you're like a, a toothpick in the middle of the ocean, yeah, and you know you, you there's point A to point B, you can't rush anything. <laughs> You know, so you learn to be patient. Yeah. So that's what sailors learn to be patient. Yeah. So how did you get to BYU Hawaii then finally? Yeah. So, so I worked, I saved up. Um, and then, um, it was through that work that I saved up. Now I had, I finished my electrical program apprentice and, uh, the next stage for me really was to either go overseas or be on these big container ships, you know, be out at sea for six months, come home for two months, mm. and then go back out. That would be my life. So being a return missionary, I had to rethink about that, <laughs> you know, because I saw another return missionary friend who he was a captain, and he would talk to me and tell me his kids don't know him because mm-hmm. he would be out six months, come back home, they know him in the two months, dad, but then he's gone. Mm-hmm. So the idea of having a family, rearing up a family was very hard. So I, I had to rethink that. But that desire to go to BYU Hawaii, for whatever reason, was still there in me. So, and then I I, I applied again while I was still at government shipping in Fiji. And I got in, it was the Lord's plan. He was, I think he was... <laughs> he was making me more be more patient. <laughs> he was working on me to get to be more patient because I got accepted two weeks after the all the deadlines had oh. passed. I got in, and then I got into BYU Hawaii. The orientation was done a week. I came, I went a week late. Oh. So I see that as the hand of God mm-hmm. in getting me to go to BYU Hawaii. So. You know, you have a righteous desire and, you know, the Heavenly Father will help you, you know. And even though I went to BYU Hawaii, uh, I think it was 27 years old. Um, so even though you were 27, um, it sounds like not many people you knew went to college. So I know from kids here, if you haven't been to college, it's like, oh, my gosh, you got to find housing. you got to sign up for classes. What mm-hmm. classes do I want? What classes should I take? How do I do this? What do I do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's just huge. Mm-hmm. So... I think I've shared this uh, with um, 
in one of the testimony readings or one of my uh, my talks, uh, earning three dollars an hour. So I would was really really for housing. I was really dependent on my sisters. So there were two of them by the time moved into the city. So I would just bunk with them all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and for classes, I knew uh, I had to do certain classes to get into BYU Hawaii, like university level classes. So I would uh, I took three classes um, on a on a on a three dollar per hour, three dollar an hour um, uh, wage, <laughs> 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 paid them off, you know, and then. Um, um, yeah, so that was my educational experience. But before, see, this is where the gap is, as I forgot. Before I did the electrical engineering stuff with the government shipping, I was I started free diving, and then I went into scuba diving. So I oh. started taking tourists out. Oh, really? Yeah. So I was a dive tour guide. Oh, wow. great. Yeah, did that for a while. Um, and then after that, I went and... Work for the, the electrical stuff. So that'd be a great job. Still, it was a job. Yeah, it was a great job. Um, Moving to Hawaii, new city, new everything. Start <laughs> school. That's a big step. Yeah, good for you. So the journey was long. I, I went to BYU at twenty-seven, but it, it was well, it was worth it because it taught me a lot of things, right? Uh, about just life in general and about myself, being patient, and you know. That was your first time, really, in a Western culture, in uh, Hawaii. In Hawaii, yeah, yeah. yeah. What were you, what was your what was your uh, response to you know being immersed in that Western culture for the first time? What were some of the things you remember? Like, wow, this is really different. So, not much of a shock hmm. to be to be frank, because um, I was always a reader. Like I pretty much read all the books in the library in my high school and my, wow. <laughs> I would read every time, nonstop. So, you know, I would read about America, everything, you know, the cultures. So it wasn't that much of a shock because my mind had prepared me for mm-hmm. like people do different things here and mm. all that, you know. But there were certain different things that I learned when I started dating, you know. Getting really into the culture for being American culture when I started dating Marcy, <laughs> but aside from that, there was not much of a difference. But the first time when I got off the plane in Honolulu, I thought I had got on a wrong plane because all I saw were Japanese people. Like, Am I in Japan? <laughs> I think I got on a wrong flight. <laughs> And, but they were holding up aloha signs. So I was like, oh, aloha. Okay, I'm in Hawaii. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. So I want to hear about Marcy, but f- tell me first about how you decided what to study at school. Study school. So I always wanted to be in the medical profession, right? But that opportunity was not there. BYU, Hawaii is, you know. Mm-hmm. But, and then at that time, I was 27. I'm like, going to take me so many years to study and all this it's not worth it i'm going to be in my 40s 50s <laughs> before i do something so i was like well what's the next best thing right so i saw it so like okay fine i'm going to do it they didn't even have electrical engineering or i would have done that because you know oh yeah so so i found it i was like okay well i'll give it a try you had computer exposure in fiji you not really not really no. okay 
Yeah. Not many computers there. No. No internet. <laughs> well, um, they have they have internet, but it's not like uh, <clears throat> so when in schools the church college had computers. Okay. They had a computer uh, lab, but since I was not a student there, there doing computer stuff, I didn't ever oh. go there. So. So, so you hadn't even learned to type. No the keyboard. No, <laughs> Look at that. I did That's not. your first class to take then. <laughs> yeah. So you know, the, but the curiosity always was there. You mm-hmm. know. So, but at BYU Hawaii, where internet and computers are so cheap and free, and mm. that's when I really got into it. <laughs> so interesting. I'm yeah. loving this visit with you tonight. <laughs> yeah. So tell us how you met Marcy. Well, how well, long have you been at school? At before Hawaii? I met Marcy. Yeah. I think it was my first year there. Oh. Yeah. So what happened was, um, <clears throat> one my one of my friends from Main Island here uh, went over to Hawaii, and you know for whatever reason, um, well let me tell you first. When I first went to Hawaii, I saw girls. You know I'm older, and I saw girls climbing coconut trees and all that. So I'm like, where am I? This is no prospects. I don't want to <laughs> date someone who's still climbing coconut trees. You know, <laughs> it's, like, it's so immature. You know, <laughs> so I'm like, there's no hope over here. So you know, kind of withdrew to myself because I was like, well, it's all like 19, 20, 21 year olds mm-hmm. over here. You know, but um, so I went. <clears throat> this guy. My friend, he, for some reason, he saw Marcy somewhere. And he became friends with Marcy's friend. And uh, he wanted to go on a double date uh, to date Marcy. But the, she had to, he had, she had to bring the friend um, with him, uh, with her. So Marcy's friend, Karina, so they, they were looking for someone to date, go on a date with her, mm-hmm. right? So he came, he asked me like a week before. I'm like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. It's like, and he, the whole week he was like pulling my leg, you know, like, let's just go, let's just go, man. I'm really interested in this girl, you know, just help, help a brother out, you know? <laughs> it's like, dude, okay, fine. I'm just going to go. Just don't be like, you know, <laughs> just like, don't be mad if I nothing comes of it because... I'm just there to be, like, if I'm not, you know, this girl who I don't know, you know, I've never been on a blind date before, so I don't know what to expect, <laughs> you know. So that's how I met Marcy. She was supposed to be someone else's date. and uh, But the whole night, um, she'll deny this, but the whole night she was just checking me out. <laughs> <you know? laughs> so, you know, and then I was cooking, actually. I was at our friend's place. So we went on a double date to a couple in uh, a married couple's quarters in BY Hawaii, you know. And so I was making chicken curry and roti, right? Not goat stew? No, 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 no goat stew. But, you know, she will tell you <laughs> otherwise. She's, she's one of the things she's like, well, he hooked me with the food. So. <laughs> but, yeah, so, <laughs> so that's how I met Marcy and just got... We good friends with her. Um, the next thing we did was it was a surprise. I met her in in institute class. Oh. And I was sitting in the corner by myself. So I come in, waved to her. She came right over, sat by me. That's how we started hanging out. And 
the relationship developed. And so she was not climbing coconut trees then. She was not, but <laughs> so um, um, she was dating someone else at that at that time. So, but I cut in, I guess, <laughs> without knowing. Um, yeah. Now, was this her first year, or had she I been there? This was her second year. Okay. I just happy to have friends. So I, she would hang out with me all the time. Um, I was like, poor white kid, you know, go, let's go. You know, in BYU, they give you vouchers for free meals and stuff for people who work at PCC. So like, I always joke with her. I was like, poor white kid, you just like so skinny. Let me go feed you. you know? <laughs> so I would take her to the cafeteria and give her, you know, we would eat and whatnot and just, you know. But then I think we were both interested in each other. And, and then the guy, my friend, kind of got the the message that she was not interested <laughs> <laughs> so he kind of backed out so that's that's how we met so. so how long did you date before you became engaged that's a that's a, a good interesting story behind that so when i when we i officially started out we we had known each other for about two or three months before i finally finally asked her if we could if we start dating um if I could date her, and through the process, she, she's, you know, she, she's, you know, there's certain things that she's like has uh, opinion. Well, she's very opinionated, but <laughs> she has opinion, strong opinions on th- certain things. And she told me, a person, people should date at least a year before a guy should propose to a girl. They need to know each other really well, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was like, okay. I guess I need to wait that long if, you know, even if I found out you're the one and all that, you know. So through the process, around the eight-month mark when we, we you know, we knew, like, you know, this was going somewhere. And then I think she started getting antsy because there was no indication of me that I'm going to propose or anything. I was like, well, I'm waiting for a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you told me I had to wait. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so it was funny. Um, yeah, I proposed to her. Um, and then one of our other stories that uh, we always laugh about is we were just hanging out at Temple Beach. Uh, if you've been to BYU, Hawaii, Temple Beach just off, off the road there. And we were we were just hanging out in the dark just laying out looking at the stars and talk, telling stories and this guy this tourist comes and i think he just saw me uh, yeah he said definitely he just saw me and he was like um excuse me do you need any money are you homeless <laughs> and then uh-huh. He thought I was just laying on the beach being a homeless person. Right? <laughs> so uh, Marcy stands up and she's like, oh, 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 I'm so sorry and all that. So but we laugh about it all the time. It's like, man, I should just ask him for like, please give me some money. You know? <laughs> just played it, you know. But, yeah, we just, yeah. But, um, so, yeah. And when we uh, we started getting serious, we uh, got engaged, had to call it dead. I was a bishop at this time, and yeah, uh, that was scary. Well, the first time, before even then, I, you know, I would look at him, and I, I, I rem- it reminds me of what Willie told me. Willie told me, like, man, the first time I saw that guy, I thought he was a police officer. 
<laughs> and the first time I met him, I was like, this guy is strict. He's like, I, I don't know about this guy. <laughs> he looks like oh. FBI, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> He's so gentle. And so, he is. He yes. is. But, but when you know, get to know him later, right? Yeah. You get to know him more. But the first impression was like, wow, this guy mm. is really strict. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's fair because I'm dating his only daughter. So, yeah. <laughs> so he, um, I called him up, interviewed me, <laughs> a bishopric interview. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, fine, here you go. So we got engaged and then... Um, but then, yeah, the, um, when I visited Anacortes at one time, it was, it was great. So what was your first impression of Anacortes when you came here? It's beautiful. Well, it was, first it was, it's like, this place is cold. I got <laughs> off the Seattle airport. Uh, first, I noticed this place is cold. Was this summer or winter? This was winter. Okay. Yeah. Um, Christmas time. Oh. Yeah. And uh, the second impression was... Um, which kind of cast a doubt on whether I wanted to marry Marcy or not, was she came with her three brothers, Grandin, Ryan, and Cameron, to pick me up. And they started singing the Alvin and the Chipmunks. Oh, no. Right? I'm like, I don't know about this. <laughs> so what have I got myself into? Yeah, exactly. I was like, uh, but... <laughs> Uh, but I, I love. I, I guess I love the girl more than. More than they're singing. Yeah. Uh, so cold. It was cold here, but you were impressed with just uh, beautiful, beautiful area. Yeah, how beautiful it was. The the only difference where where I grew up on the island I grew up there's mountains. There's the ocean, right? It's just like here, but the water is not cold. <laughs> <laughs> the water is not cold, and we don't have snow. So, so do you have a forest like this in Fiji? Not forest like this, but green uh, um, jungle. Jungle, jungle, because yeah. it's more different type tropical. of forest. Yeah, yes. yeah. yeah. Yes. So mahogany trees, pine trees, and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. so. so after you finished school, you, you, you were married while you were still in school. Then we were in, still in school. We got married. Marcia was done, so she to wait for me. She did a teacher certificate, started teaching. Um, at a local school over there. And then I graduated and then we came over here. And that, um, but she left before I, f I finished because she was pregnant with Eli. So Eli was born at Island. And then on top of that, I finished school. So I had to apply for jobs. Mm -hmm. But there was another hand of the Lord because I had a good friend in um, um, at the ward we were in the married couples ward in Hawaii who had joined the company that I work for now, right? And then I was just looking for a job and I reached out to him and said, hey, can you give me a referral? And they just flew me out to Washington State and and it was also at that recession time, 2012, mm -hmm. you remember. It was hard to get jobs, you know? So the Lord blesses us you know, yeah. in so many ways. Flew me out to Washington State and... I got the job, and then we moved to Texas, and now we're back. Yeah. <laughs> so you were in Texas for how long? I think we were there for like four, two, no, three years. Three I years. Think. Yeah. And you've been back in Anacortes for, for four and a half. Four now. and a half. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
same company. That's same company. Still the record these the same days. Company. People seem to change. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm kind of at the end of my line over here. Oh. <laughs> I'm just, but you know, I'm coming up on ten years. Um, but it's a great company to work for. I work for in the cybersecurity space. Mm. And I never thought I would do that. Didn't even know what that was when I was in Fiji yeah. or at BYU Hawaii. During that time, like in 2012, cybersecurity was not a big thing. None right. of the colleges taught it. Right. Yeah. Now you have degrees, you have master's programs. Mm. But none of the colleges at that time uh, taught it. It was something that was in IT but not big. But now it's mm-hmm. we have a million job shortages around yeah. the United States. So... Cybersecurity, it's a great field to be in. Yeah. You know, it's exciting work. Well, we think it's great to have had your family here in the ward and you're up to four for boys now. now. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Marcy has three brothers and she's the only girl. Mm-hmm. I'm the only boy. Hmm. <laughs> I have four sisters. So we were like, maybe we'll get a mix. <laughs> four boys later. Well, maybe there's four girls out there waiting for you. <laughs> I think we're both like, yeah. So post-mission, just a couple more questions. Mm-hmm. Post-mission, anything that you can think of that's really influenced your faith development? Yes. So one of the one of the... Let me talk to you about the mission experience, the MTC experience. This was my biggest spiritual experience that has never left me because there was um, there was this missionary from from Vanuatu who was having a hard time. Um, he was he wanted to go home, just didn't like anything. So what we decided as members of the elders of his district let's just give him a blessing so we got together in the lobby of our of our of our apartment over there and then we all these priesthood brethren we said we stood there and we gave him a blessing and i can tell you i've never felt the spirit so strong ever not before like when i joined the church not ever after it was so strong you could it's like like a burning sensation uh burning of the bosom that's what the term i think of when i when i think about that experience because the spirit was so strong during that time and after the blessing we all looked at each other and you know people started crying and you know all of that and the uh, the brother who was being blessed he you know he felt it too he was the first one who fell on the floor start crying you know mm. but the spirit was so strong and i knew like that was faith affirming because you know yeah you'd go through the motions of like you know you know the church is true but at that point where you know like there is a god this is real you know so that was one big faith oh the biggest faith affirming um, just the general belief in God, faith-affirming experience that I had. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is when I was going through my struggles of trying to get an education, I told Heavenly Father, you know, this is what I want. Not much. I just want, you know, a family, a, great, a good wife. And I want to have kids. 
and have a simple life, you know. But at that point in time, it felt like it was a goal that was so far away, so hard, you know. And through now, I have four, uh, four sons, and my wife, who's perfect for me, you know. So, promise fulfilled from him. <laughs> You know, he was just teaching you patience while he you was were teaching me patience. on that ship for yeah, four years. Like slow down, <laughs> you know. He got to slow down, and you know, and a lesson of trying, you know, really holding on to the rod, because he put me through so many experiences. I could have gone uh, so many times. I could have just chosen to leave the church or go a separate direction, but it, you know, the experience was to hold on to the rod. Mm. So, well, thank you. Well, your decision and your um, sticking to that goal of getting an education, I am confident, is going to impact your generations to come. <clears throat> so our last question is, mm -hmm. thinking about leaving a message for your posterity to someone 100 years in the future, maybe one of your great-grandsons or granddaughters, what, what would you tell them? What message would you leave them? I, just, I would just like to tell them that I love them. You know, that through them I am alive. You know, um, because it stems from, like, I am the only son mm -hmm. in my family. Uh, my my father's line, I am the only son um, from my mom's side, right? And, uh, and now I had four boys, which I didn't think about it, but the probability of the line continuing has, you know, has expanded so I just you know want to tell them I love them but I also would like to know that tell them where you know their great 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 grandpa came from and my experiences of how I got to be here and be in the gospel you know and be a man of faith so thank you anything else you want to tell us before we finish um, anything we left out <laughs> We could probably talk for hours because you're just so fascinating. <laughs> I know, I know. I've left out so many stuff, um, but uh, if I would say, like, even though life was hard in those beginning times in the village, everyone sees Fiji as paradise. It is paradise, but you know, people living there go through so many difficulties. Um, but it was also difficult. But it was one of the most happiest times of my life, even if we were poor. You know? Yeah, you said that. It's a good goal to, sorry, let me say this right. <laughs> Oftentimes people in those situations, and most of the island was like that, you had no food, you mm -hmm. had a home, mm -hmm. you probably didn't feel poor, you didn't think of yourself as a poor family. We didn't because we had everything we needed. Yeah. But, I mean, everyone around the island who had progressed materialistically thought we were poor, you know. <laughs> Did you ever get indoor plumbing? Maybe that wouldn't make you... Um, <laughs> Well, we uh, we never got into oh. a problem, um, but we uh, uh, we progressed as a family on our on our farms so much that we we didn't even have electricity at our house. Oh. But we we progressed that one we were able to buy our own generators, okay. run our own uh, plumbing, even though it was not indoor. But we brought like water all the way to our house. Okay. Right, and throughout all the village, everyone had you know could chain this yeah. so we ran water to everyone's houses so just the blessing of you know 
working hard, farming, selling the goats, and you know, just progressing that way. Um, yeah. Being able to bless our lives and other people's lives in the village. Well, it has been fascinating talking with you, and I appreciate your your willingness to share, and I've really enjoyed this uh, this episode. So thank you for being with us. Thank, thank you, you, Avi. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today on the Of One Heart podcast. We hope you enjoyed getting to know a little better another member of the Anacorus War family. We will be giving everyone the opportunity to be interviewed on the podcast, but if you want to volunteer, please contact Brother or Sister Murray or President Gardner. We may not yet be where we want to be, and we are not now where we will be. I believe the change we seek in ourselves and in the groups we belong to will come less by activism and more by actively trying every day to understand one another. Why? We're building Zion, a people of one heart and one mind.